I'm so glad that you decided to join us. I'm looking at my brother. You can't see him now. He's doing some weird dance moves. He makes me laugh. This is, we're here together. I'm Rob Gibson, psychologist, at the head part of the duo, the smarter, more intellectual side of the duo. And here we have my brother today, hailing I'm from J- Ohio. I'm John Gibson, a Christ follower who is full of grace, which my brother is lucky uh, right now, especially <laughs> since he just uh, made fun of my intelligence, and also I'm a believer in forgiveness. Uh, when someone believes a lie, as my brother does, uh, <laughs> God can enter in and give him truth. But no, <laughs> I'm John. I'm the pastor of the duo. Um, I guess the heart. Uh, yes, the, no, we we both have heads and hearts, but that's, that's kind of what right. we talk about—the collision between head and heart, and psychology and faith, and. Uh, just situations yeah. of life. Man, I can, I'm excited to be yeah. here. Me and my moves today, we're going to eventually have these up on YouTube. Rob and I are dreaming about someday you being able to You'll see us to in see person. It will happen, ones. and you will be blessed with the yes. wonderful dance moves That's of right. Pastor John. That's right. So so you found your way to Staring Into the Sun podcast. If you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for being here. Woo-hoo, if woo-hoo. you're new, what do we do here? Well, we try to talk about relevant stuff, um, and we bring our mutual perspectives, John. John, a trained pastor ordained in the Church of the Nazarene, uh, me, a licensed clinical psychologist um, with some theological training, but just enough to make me uh, possibly dangerous with heresy. Um, so, uh, yeah, we both have our different trained perspectives, and and we are not just from training, but uh, we, we do we do this work every day, and uh, we We've found our conversations really useful for ourselves and want to share them with you. So you've joined us. Thank you so much for being here. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> tell your tell your your friends and your people that uh, this is a place where you can hear uh, two two people talk about stuff that's relevant to you. So we're we're talking about change today. I think which yeah, which that's is. Gonna- going to happen. We just finished up a, a vibrant and robust conversation. Those are two really great words, vibrant yes. and robust conversation yes. on villainy. That yes. was a lot of fun. And we I hope to hit, hit that back again someday. It's such a a big and complex topic, but that was a lot well, of fun. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just current current events. Uh, you know, very very relevant politics. The the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Yeah. Just that you you can you can see it all over the place. Crazy. So, so we thought we'd go to something easier, like change. Yes, <laughs> yes, <we're, laughs> something much easier. Yeah, change. because that comes easy to everyone. Right? I'm, I wonder if you're a listener out there and you think, man, change. I got change in the bag. How many people love to change? How many, how many people loved? I think we like the idea of change uh, in my own life. I like the, the thought or the ideal of change, but when like the rubber meets the road, I don't know how much I'm acquainted with change as much as I'd like to be probably. But that's a it's a big topic and not an easy one, but I'm excited about it today. It'll be fun. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, what we, if we try started, to change a lot. What, what's one thing you've changed this past year? I was thinking about that in my own life. One, one thing you've changed. Something that I have changed this past year. Um, well, let's see. I have, um, 
That's a good question. Uh, w- one thing I've changed. Uh, so I, I try to exercise regularly, and one of the one of the things I've changed is how I do that. So I've even though I hate running, uh, I think of uh, Will Ferrell whenever I think of running uh, from the Anchorman. You know, <laughs> yeah. is I think it's a soft J jogging. <laughs> uh, I hate it, uh, but I'm I. I've actually had to, to reckon with the fact that I'm getting old. <laughs> I, <laughs> that should mean you I, don't run because it hurts you more. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm, uh, I, I think I've been living in this fantasy that I'm still in my twenties. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm almost 39 this year. So, uh, I've, uh, I've changed by, uh, uh, incorporating some running once a week, um, which I thoroughly detest and hate, but I'm doing that. Um, I think another change that is slow going um, is I am uh, uh, trying to not get on my mobile phone at all uh, on Sundays. So yeah. that's a change that and I'm slowly Sabbath. trying to implement. I don't know. It's it's awesome. not there yet. But how about you, man? No. Well, I've tried to change. You know, in the past, um, I, I love food. And th- this year, I've just tried to determine to eat more. You know, like to really lean in. <laughs> you didn't think that was cool. I was going to say, did you? <laughs> I'm, I am determined to just enjoy food. No, I'm just totally kidding. Uh, one, actually, one big change for me in my life that kind of came out of uh, my sabbatical experience was to be intentional about um, space and uh, time in my schedule. And what I mean by that is is time um, with the absence of activity. Uh, so. Uh, Rob kind of mentioned that idea of putting your phone down. That's a it's a concept in in my faith um, tradition is Sabbath. Uh, so, and I've been leading in just to the idea of solitude as a part of Sabbath, where I'm getting away, turning things off, spending time just uh, even trying to turn off my own thinking and my own getting getting out of my own headspace and just learning to be to be present because um, I believe that's where God's presence is most. Um, we're, we're able to be the most aware is when we can clear off everything and just be, learn to be. So yeah, I've, that's been a change. I've been real intentional this year about making sure I weekly and, and even in during my daily kind of practice, I've been picking I picked up a book of daily prayer that I use to kind of, even in the midst of my day, carving out periods of time where I just turn off and try to sit quietly in solitude. And yeah, so that's been a really good change. Um, hmm for my own mental well-being for sure but it hasn't been hard it's something like like again in order to lean into solitude i've learned also that if i'm not intentionally doing it on a regular basis the change wanes <laughs> i don't know if you've ever experienced that you know like you try to implement something maybe as a reader we're coming up on the new year gosh how many people just our new year's <laughs> resolutions i'm going to change you know this these 10 things in my life and then by what i, I wonder what the average thing I, I preached a message years ago like the average time period someone actually implements change is like, is like three days or something oh, like man. it ceases it to be change at that yeah, point i'm gonna work out this year and you worked out one day and you're like yeah that's i'm not doing that no more <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah so Change is fascinating. So we're going to talk about that today, the hows and whys. I think Dr. Rob is going to tell us all the secrets of how to make change effectively happen in our lives. Right, Rob? No pressure. Oh. It's it's an easy one, <laughs> two, three formula. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's got a three-point sermon for you, the, the nope. pathway to your best life. Also sold at local bookstores. But no, I'm kidding. He hasn't written a book yet about now, that. No, you, you've got a book quote that you wanted to use to start us, right? I do, yeah. And so it comes from a little bit of a... Uh, unexpected place. Uh, so I, I, I read, um, I would say I'm a, 
uh, a pretty, I don't, what's the word? I, I just like to read a lot. I, I uh, read a lot of things. A bibliophile. Um, a bibliophile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I read, I read a lot, um, both like physical books and audio books. And a lot of times what I, what I listen to are books that I do just for leisure. And so I'm a big sci-fi fantasy nerd, love, love all that kind of stuff. And I happened upon this new book series is a trilogy. And the first one is called the book of Coley. It's about a kind of a post, a post apocalyptic culture, uh, kind of hundreds of years removed from this technological world. And they've kind of descended out of technology and back into barbarism and all that kind of thing. Um, but he, he, uh, said, shared this quote or it was from the book and man it just caught my attention because of how true it was in my own life i thought wow that was so pr- profound coming from a book where i didn't see it coming it kind of blindsided me so here i'm going to share it with you here's the quote and we'll kind of use this as a springboard for our combo today it says that was our life and it seemed as like nothing would ever happen to change it but it's when you think such thoughts that change is most likely to come you let your guard down almost, and life comes running at you on your blind side, because life is nothing but change, even when it seems to stand still. Standing still is a human thing, like a defiance we throw, but we can never do it for long. Hmm. Let me read it one more time. All right, so here's the main part. But when you think such thoughts that change will never happen, that change is most likely to come. You let your guard down almost, and life comes running at you on your blind side, because life is nothing but change, even when it seems to stand still. Because standing still is a human thing. We throw at it like a defiance, but we can never do it for very long. It's almost like life will demand you change, and a human thing is to stand and, uh, you know, uh, with a stiff chin against it saying, I refuse. Yeah. That's that picture of standing still of in defiance of any change that might happen. I have pictures of, you know, church members crossing their arms and saying, this is my seat and I'm not moving, <laughs> you know, the, yes. the, the firm stand against, uh, any change that might come in our, in our world and in our lives for sure. Hmm. Yeah. I, I just, uh, my mind's been bouncing around ever since you said you wanted to talk about change, but that, that quote really kind of, I think it speaks to a part of change that has to do with like openness and willingness to, I, I don't know if it's some, some element of faith, but like willingness to just uh, engage with the way that life is pushing you um, as opposed to, I mean, a lot of times I think we think of change, like when you were talking about the, the, uh, new year's resolutions, we're trying to, to wrestle ourselves down. And he's saying in that quote, some aspect of change is being willing to, to just open yourself up to, uh, to the influence of life and its movements. Um, and that, that yeah, because will- it's coming, whether you like it or not. Right. I think you're, you hit it on the head. There are, yeah, there's changes that I try to, I'm controlling or instigating, you know, but this, the kind of change he's talking to, I, I wonder why maybe we interact differently with those two camps of change, you know, cause the change that I'm in control of is usually change that I want to see happen in my life. I'm not forced to do it. Uh, maybe you are by, you know, I'm gaining weight and I know I need to be healthy, but I'm initiating that change. But boy, I think some of the more disruptive sorts of changes is the ones he's kind of talking about, this reality where we convince ourselves that everything's just right, you know, and then life blindsides us and 
change comes whether we're looking for it or not, you know, Uh and why is that hard to encounter that change? You know, why do we fight it? Is it good for us to change like that? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think circumstances of life sometimes can force change on us that isn't necessarily good either. Mm. It's pretty complex. We, I, it got me thinking about one of the one of the times where I've changed that has been like that, and it uh, it was life forcing me to. I, I had a period of of life where um, you know my me and my family were for a, a long story of reasons we were um, you know living in a you know in a friend's basement, um, and uh, um, one of the one of the things that that forced upon me uh, you know uh, among among bunch of other things was the the realization it, it changed how I viewed family um, from being a place to being uh, relationships um, and uh, it, it was in like this uh, it was like in this dark uh, painful place um, that change was allowed to shift in my mind it was life forcing it upon me and it was really powerful and emotional and meaningful now that I look back at it and, and now, you know, e- even though I'm in a different place as far as where I'm living with my family, um, I see my relationship so much differently now, um, less about uh, content and things. Um, and I, I don't think I would have really, I mean, if you would have asked me intellectually to think, I would have said, oh yeah, that's, that's what it's about. But I, I had this experience that taught me that home isn't a place. Home is people that you're with and it doesn't matter what the place is. It doesn't matter. Um, it's your, it's the people in your relationships. And I needed that experience, that, that painful experience to change how I saw that. That was life forcing me to change. Now, I think I could have sat in bitterness and resentment as I'm sleeping in this, uh, you know, in this utility room with, you know, multiple times throughout the night next to the furnace, it's going off and waking me up, you know, for a series of, you know, a a couple months. I could have just sat in bitterness and, and resent, you know, resentment of how the world had done this to me, um, uh, or how I had done it to myself or something like that. Um, and I think this, yeah, that quote really speaks to like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I got into that place where I think it was just emotional vulnerability that I was just willing to see what was happening in front of me. And and maybe that's a point of change that I, I see people do a lot in therapy is having the courage and the vulnerability and the willingness to see what is just right in front of you, what is true. Um, because I think we, we resist that type of change because we have some things that we've learned to be true that we hold on to with, you know, with white knuckles and nails into the skin. Um, this, this has always been true. Um, and opening ourselves up to just the truth of what's right in front of us shifts. It changes us if we can open ourselves to it. I think we definitely have an innate human comfort with what is, you know, whether that's, healthy or not <laughs> uh, from a biblical standpoint I, I won't picture like the Israelites they come they've been freshly liberated out of Israel if you go back and read in the book of Exodus and you know they've been under the hand of oppression from Egypt for hundreds of years and God does this big rescue mission get, goes in takes them all up millions of, of of Israelites of Jews come out of Egypt and they've been liberated they've been saved right uh, bringing this new potential of life and yet out in front of them is what oftentimes is true about new places is unknown, 
right? It's the scary, we don't know. And if we don't know what something looks like or how it's going to be, change. Uh, we don't know how to interact with it. We don't know how to control it. And their response to that change, which I think is reminiscent of many of our responses to any sort of change, is we want to go back to what's n- known. Even And, and their, their complaint was, you know, we want to go back to being oppressed because at least we had food there, full bellies. Out here, we don't even know where we're going to get our next meal. Yeah, but they had they had distorted um, the expectation of what the new life, and maybe that's the difference. Maybe a lot of times we we see change as not as something new. We see change as something that threatens something that's old and known. Um, yeah. and I think God wants to God wants to really challenge that uh, perception in us to bring us to good, healthier places. But, when and I think we fantasize, we wish that change is. Uh, much easier than it is. I think that story of the Israelites wandering through the desert is exactly uh, the the discipline and the consistent daily effort that's required to really change is just not that glamorous. You know, you have this massively powerful transformational experience of being brought out of Egypt and God providing for you. Um, and, And then you have just this slog of trust and discipline. (laughs) And it's like, there's a promised land ahead, but there's a whole desert in between. And I think, I think that's where we also often get really stuck in changing is that we have this initial energy around some, a realization, like you said, like, Oh, I, I I got this feedback from my doctor that, you know, I, I need to, you know, I need to lose some weight or I need to, you know, whatever it is. And there's some initial motivation, but there's no glamor in the slog of, you know, self-discipline. It's just grinding and hard. Um, but that's also where, where all the freedom eventually is, is, uh, as, as you engage in the thing over and over and over again, that's where, that's where change happens. Um, even biologically drastic change tends to be traumatic. Um, it, it reminds me of a, if an old Jim Carrey skit on uh, SNL where, where he's talking about riding the snake. It's like this uh, weight loss program and, and it's all about, you know, we're all doing cocaine and that's how we've lost 50 pounds in four days. You know, it's like, it's traumatic, that type of change. Um, yeah. but I, yeah, I think we long for, uh, the change for ourselves that is, that is quick. Well, because we're in pain, you know, it sucks. Yeah. And it, requ- it requires very little of us, right? Until it does require something of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to me like, though, there is these two types of change. You know, there's this volitional change, things that we can choose to do or engage in, you know? But but again, I, maybe we should spend a little time talking to you because I think the quote kind of referenced that. This, these realities of change that comes, that hit us on our blind side. You know, I, I think of some losing a loved one or, or getting sick yourself. You know, I want to, one of mine in my own life, I was down working uh, on a mission trip doing work for a hurricane relief and uh, working a chainsaw. And this was, you know, I don't know, six years ago or something. I'm 34 years old and just out there chainsawing and lean out. I didn't even lean over weird, but just, just the wrong, you know, kind of movement and never had this happen before in my life. And all of a sudden my back like went crazy. Come to find out I had herniated a disc 
forced me to like be down for months. Then I had to end up having back surgery on my spine because my leg was numb. I mean, this this little thing like impacted my life. It blindsided me, and and it's changed me as a person because I have to be careful what I lift now. I have to be careful the movements that I make. I have to think about you know the activities I'm going to do, and if it's going to you know maybe endanger that weakened part on my spine that could cause me more trouble down the road if I'm not careful. And, but it, you know, it blindsided me and, and it changed me. And I don't know about for the good, but a lot of times change comes in, in the, those ways in life. And I think the real challenge for us is how do we, how do we see the good and the bad or the good and the challenge? The word talks about how God will, will take all bad things and use them for his good, you know, and this is another topic for another day, but I don't believe God hurt my back for good purposes, but I believe God could use something out of my struggle or out of my suffering to lead me somewhere good. It's just a matter of having the eyes to see what he might be doing uh, in the midst of what I'm struggling with. But that's another type of change that I think would be worth talking about. Those types of things that blindside us, man. And how, how do we find the good in them? How, how do we use them for some sort of productivity rather than just destroying our lives? I mean, grief has a way of doing that, just uh, devastating us and we can't move forward because it's changed us for the worse. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think we tend to potentially hinge towards like bitterness and resentment and feeling uh, done upon, um, which I think in this case, you know, sometimes it's true, you know, where, where life is forcing change upon us. And I think, I think maybe one of the mistakes that we make is people, maybe, excuse me, especially people of faith where we, we perhaps feel some pressure that we ought not to feel anything like bitterness or hatred or resentment. Like that's actually wrong of us to even feel that. And so we, we cut ourselves off from feeling it and perhaps pretend like we feel like we're grateful or we're open, but all the while we're like hiding this Mm. bitter, resentful, part of ourselves that eventually permeates and poisons. And, and I think we, we really do have to reckon with how unfair um, something might be um, or how much of a loss something might be. And I don't know if we can end up in an open space of gratitude or even just openness to the, you know, the potential new good thing that comes out of this. I don't know if we can get there unless we allow ourselves to, uh, to include the parts of ourselves that are angry, that are bitter, that are resentful. Because what I often see is, uh, when we don't do that, they kind of subtly find their way out in some other place, you know, in some relationship we have, mm. some situation, uh, the bitterness and the resentful feelings, they, they come out somewhere. And we, we then turn that anger at the world forcing us to change outward onto other people or other, other things. And so I, I think a first step is just I- engaging with how, how this is forcing you to change, like engaging with the pain that you experience and um, like honoring, honoring how it's affecting you, like letting it exist, perhaps sharing it with somebody so you can you know, know actually what it is um, instead of trying to avoid it or hide it. It's like, it almost reminds me of like stages of grief, you know, where a lot of times something happens to us and, or we lose a loved one and we, we have to remind ourselves to enter into the grieving process, you know, where there is hurt and pain and sadness and anger. 
and then eventually it moves into introspection and reflection yeah. and yeah like i don't know if you've you know? ever heard this at at funerals or something but like a, a term for it is toxic positivity you know it's like telling mm-hmm. somebody who's just lost a loved one you know well they're in a better place now and you should be happy that they're not suffering you can stick and, that up your butt right <laughs> you like, know it's like people want to say <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's it's yeah it's I, brutal i could wax and and i i mean admittedly i've uh I'm not being judgmental because I've I've ignorantly said things like that until oh, yeah. I've learned the impact it has on people. But I think it, it's it's an invitation to act like things are okay. And I think it also means that, well, if I behave that way, then they meant nothing to me. You know, if I'm not sad about this, they meant nothing to me. If I'm not grieving the fact that I can no longer do the same things I used to be able to do physically, then that meant nothing to me. Um, my body meant nothing to me. And that's just not true. Um, our, you know, your, your body means a lot to you. The fact that you have to change everything about how you live your life because of that, you know, that, that has to mean something to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the positive thing that can eventually come through it, and I can think of story after story of people who have gone through traumatic change events in their life, we call them, that finally make their way to seeing how that their experience might be used to impact others who are going through the same sort of change, you know? So there can be a lot of positivity that does eventually come as long as we move ourselves through this process of kind of like you're saying, Rob, navigating the the truth of how we feel and how it's impacting us up front and recognizing Mm -hmm. that part of that, it is a journey, you know, as we face these change events that blindside us. Um, But to also have hope that maybe someday, as I work through the pain of this thing, I might get to a place where I mm-hmm. could have perspective. To mm-hmm. you know, I guess my point is that I, I know a lot of people that just despair. You know, this an endless journey of despair because this the thing that has blindsided them has irrevocably ir- ir- yeah, can't say that word irrevocably <laughs> yeah has changed the course of their life and they grieve it forever. Like life will never be the same. True, um, but um, life will never be good again because of this thing that has blindsided me and i I, as a as a pastor i I work with folks all the time to try to help help light break into that darkness because i don't think we are intended to live in despair you know but again part of that journey of coming out of the dark and into the light is a challenging one like you we kind of mentioned with the israelites you know even that journey is walking through the wilderness facing our pain and the the hard what this has done to us in order to see what might become or what might come out of that pain, you know? Yeah. You're, you said something earlier about uh, how sometimes these painful experiences can get, you know, they can become sublimated is the word for it, where, where somebody, uh, you know, there's, there's a transformation of the injury to something new where the person turns outward to give to other people. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a continually reciprocal process with us as humans if we are willing to engage in it. Because, you know, the times – another thing that I learned out of the experience I shared with you before is um, I have historically, uh, because of a variety of things, been very self-reliant and never, never uh, really operating in such a way where I would even communicate my needs to other people. Um, and that experience taught me um, – uh, that there were other people uh, that loved me and cared for me 
Um, and that was something that I received that was really meaningful and powerful. And it taught me some really important things about the fact that I'm not alone or that it's okay to need other people um, and things like that. That was just beautiful things that I experienced. And if I, if I had been, you know, my face to the wind and could only see how horrible this thing would be, I might, I might not be open and receptive to the ways in which people might want to love me in the midst of my pain and in the midst of my change. And that's what I mean. I think it's reciprocal because, because I, because of that, I also look for my opportunities um, to offer that to people. I mean, it's part of what, what I've decided to make my life about in my career um, is offering that to other people as well. But I think, yeah, I think if, if we are just in despair and bitterness, we may not have eyes to see uh, the people around us that may be investing or trying to reach us. Um, I heard one person say it like something like, you know, we perhaps we can't hear, we can't hear God because we don't, we don't know how to, we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to be quiet. Um, I think of that sometimes we can't see other people because we don't know how to see. We don't know how to open ourselves up to them. And I think in the midst of, yeah, life making us change, um, that openness can allow other people to join us in our, in our journey um, and also is a call for us to be that for other people. Yeah, so good. Maybe get a little practical, Rob, because, you know, change, how, how to – how to navigate change and how to uh, enact change in our life. Um, and I think about these things that kind of blindside us, that blindsiding change, right? Not not the stuff that we choose to change and need to take practical steps for. We can talk about that in a, in a kind of a practical way for our listeners. But these blindside things that happen, I think one of the most important things that I've heard us kind of say here, just to kind of recap a little bit, right, is that first we need to um, look – look it in the face, the reality of what that change has done to us and to be truthful about that. Right. Maybe that's, yeah. One. If you're facing yeah. change today, like traumatic blindside change, a, a great first step is to look at it and, and speak truth about it and how it's affecting you. Yeah. And, and that's a full body, mind, soul experience that might not be clear to you right away. It may take time. And, um, and yes. So, I totally agree. Turn yourself towards it with some openness to any of the things that you might feel about it. Um, allow it to exist. Pay attention to it because it's trying to tell you something important. And probably see other people in your life too as a pastor. And I know you as a psychologist. Um, find When you're going through especially traumatic blindside changes in your life, don't don't navigate them alone. A lot of times in, in order to face something hard, we need somebody to take us by the hand and walk with us, you know? And so don't ever, I think, be afraid to, to go talk to your pastor or talk to a psychologist, talk to a friend, someone you trust about what you're feeling about the change that you're going through. Because a lot of times we, we can't face it alone because it's a, it's scary. And we need somebody to take us by the hand and be in relationship with us through it. Yeah. And a side point to that is some some guidance for people who are walking alongside people that are going through really difficult change is um, it's okay to not know what to say. Mm. Um, often what actually is most valuable is your presence and you just showing up. And Because sometimes there's nothing to say or, or there's nothing to say to make the thing better because the thing can't be better. You know, it, it has to be lived through and survived. It's not something that can be fixed. And so when someone's going through really difficult change, 
you don't have to say something to make them feel better. Um, let your presence um, be there. Uh, your kind, loving presence. I'm here for you. I care about you. That that's it. Yeah. So number one, face it. Number two, look for someone to face it with you. And I yeah. think number three, I would offer for traumatic blindside change um, is to see it rather as rather than just creating chaos in your life, see it as um, something that potentially can catalyze some sort of change, like some sort of transformation. You may that's a way to to say it. That all change, I believe, good and ill can have the potential to catalyze transformation in us eventually, you know, and uh-huh. that, that was, that's the hope piece for well, me is don't well, get lost just, in despair and darkness, yeah. but look for light. Yeah. Not just can, it will transform you. The question yeah. is what way will it transform Ooh, you? Will it, will it send you down a road to bitterness and resentment and hatred that, that causes you to hurt people around you or will, will you open yourselves up? yourself up to transformation of something new that could be good. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the pat answer of, oh, you're, you know, you'll turn this into that and we just know that's good. No, it, it's probably complicated, but it will transform you. Um, and it, it, it's, it's up to, uh, I think, our openness and our posture towards the change that really influences which direction we'll go. And as the Israelites experience, that's a tough road. It's not a simple thing to turn your face towards redemptive transformation as opposed to destructive transformation. Um, it takes work and you need people with you, but yeah, it will transform you. The question is how, man, that's so good. All right. Let's spend like five minutes on just volitional change. We'll call it that way. Right. So I'm, I want to make this change in my life, right? How does it happen? Maybe give us just a, from a psychologist perspective, like three helpful tips. I know and we've kind of hit a few, right? I know there's something about consistent faithfulness, you know, or, or kind of, rhythms in life during the, you know, the everyday stuff. Yeah. About. Maybe well, we just try to quantify give, that down. Yeah. Let me give one direction and then I think we should pause it and save it for a longer conversation so we can yeah. really hit at this. But one place I encourage people to start is to, uh, to honestly engage your motivations. And now, not what your motivations should be, or what you feel like they ought to be based off of what other people think, but what they actually are. You got to get honest with yourself about what your actual motivations are. Um, And they're varied. You know, somebody might say, you know, well, my motivation to, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to give an example, to stop road raging uh, when I'm in the car. You know, my motivation to change that is that I, you know, what I should say is that I want to be safer for people on the road. But if that's not really it, if your motivation is really, well, but that's one of the only ways that I get my aggression and anger about all these other things that I can't do anything about, that's how I get it out. Well, then you got to reckon with that and saying what your motivation should be isn't going to help you change. And then you're just going to not be changing because think of motivation kind of like math. You know, there's a motivational math and it depends on which side has the greater weight and whatever side has the greater weight, that's what you'll probably end up doing. Even if you think it shouldn't have weight, you know, if, yeah. if you think, well, I should really care about my neighbors on the road, you know, it. <laughs> <laughs> right. if underneath that you actually yeah. really care about something way more, it doesn't matter. And so you've really got to reckon with what your actual motivations are. Spend some time reflecting on them. Talk with another person about your motivations 
get honest with them. And then, then you have to do some work of shifting the motivational math. How do I alter this math so that the formula is in the form of me doing something? Often, some of the ways we shift the math are, you know, get someone else involved that's going to be doing it with you. Hmm. Um, we we hey, often do that things. joining together yes, thing again. Yeah. We heard that social, we about that, right? social accountability. <laughs> Walk you know, with we, someone. We, yeah, we really prefer to save face. And if somebody is counting on you to do something, I get this often with patients that are really depressed. They make every appointment, but they can't you know, get into the shower or something. And it's like, you know, that's interesting. You know, you feel obligated to me and your time to me, uh, maybe what, what your parent is paying me or whatever it might be, that's enough to get you here. So that's interesting. So it, it does mean we can work on the math. Now, there's other reasons for being depressed and all that. I don't mean to simplify it. But my point is, is yeah, engaging someone else can help shift the motivational math. Um, there's lots of ways to do it. But that's, that's an initial entry is assess your motivations and get honest with them. Yeah, good stuff. And we'll hit this change thing again down the road. Um, I know it's a huge conversation, but man, this I, I love this thing because change is a part of life. You know, it comes at us whether we see it coming or not, right? Blind side or front side or it is upside it or is downside. Coming. <laughs> it is coming. My daughter's going to college next year. Change. My middle daughter's driving coming. a car. Change. <laughs> My knee hurts more than it did two years ago. Change. <laughs> It is coming for you. Oh, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey. Uh, the, the, the one hope I have, though, Robbie, is I keep coming back to Jesus' beautiful words. He's come, he's come to make all things new, where the old goes away and the new has come. It's a spiritual principle. When Jesus is around, things change. And that's hard, too, but, but Jesus, I believe, brings a, brings a, a message of hope. And, and like we kind of talked about, uh, this transformative choice. Will, will we move towards life and towards newness or towards destruction and chaos? And yeah, it's kind of yes. a base human yeah. choice, right? And yeah. all of us. Um, and we, we have an obligation and a duty um, to decide how we're going to do it because we, we affect each other. Whether we like it or not, we just do. And so, yeah, the, it, there, there is hope. Uh, yeah, I like how you said that. There's hope that there's a change that is new and good, even if we're not sure what it is. So, yeah. yes, beautiful. Thank you for joining us. We're, we're going to continue talking about change. Uh, maybe next time, maybe a future one, we'll make sure you know about it. So keep a lookout. Uh, keep joining us. Uh, yeah, just look out. Reminder. Maybe on the video, I'll be, I'll be changing my shirts probably. I won't have this same shirt on. <laughs> well, That'll be yes. some change I'll have. Yes, we're, we're still working on the initial change, which is actually posting them. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, your subtle, subtle jokes, Robbie. <laughs> so if it's not clear, that's, that's John's job. Apparently. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. that Robbie's is. made it mine. We got to get there. Well, you that's created right. the YouTube channel. I gave everybody a little that's context. Right. And, and, and I, I make the advertisements. Them. So that hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that works out. So please, uh, yeah, continue listening to us. Uh, subscribe. And don't change uh, that. Yes, reach, to yes, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you upcoming. We'd love to do a, uh, a Q&A type of um, podcast. And so if you have things you'd like us to answer or talk about that are uh, that are generally based on what we're talking about and or something of interest to you, please do that. Uh, Staring into the sun podcast at Gmail or through our socials. And just, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, man, John, it's been a pleasure. So glad to be with you and also to be with all of you listeners. We just wish you the best until next time that you join us again, because we hope you do as we continue staring into the sun.
Grace and peace, everybody. The way we find ourselves.